Good morning. morning. Open in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. If you're not familiar with the Gospel of Mark, it recounts the final three years or so of the life of Jesus of Nazareth in the first century A.D., We've been studying the Gospel of Mark for the past few months, and we've already seen many astonishing things about Jesus, haven't we? We've seen him teaching people to repent and believe in the Gospel. We've seen Jesus heal many people, lepers, paralytics, the demon-possessed, and more. We've seen him call fishermen and tax collectors to follow him as his disciples and students. We've seen him minister to prostitutes, to the poor, and to the reviled of that day. And we've also seen the different ways that people respond to Jesus and to the Word of God. Just in chapter 3, that Brandon just finished preaching through the past few weeks, we saw four different groups of people respond in four different ways to Jesus. Look at them with me quickly. Flip back in your Bible just one chapter to Mark chapter 3. The first group of people that we see are the great crowds in verses 7 through 12. And how do they respond? They seem to respond to Jesus only as a healing power that they can tap into, caring little about him, such that they nearly crush him in verse 9. The next group of people that we see are Jesus' earthly family in verse 21. And they respond to Jesus' ministry by saying he is out of his mind. The third group of people that we see are the religious leaders of Israel, the Pharisees and the scribes in verses 22 through 30. And how did they respond to him? They said, Jesus is possessed by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And lastly, in verses 34 and 35, we see a fourth group of people, his disciples sitting with him. And how are they described as responding to Jesus? As doing the will of God. And they are called Jesus' true family. It is amidst these varying responses to Jesus that Jesus gives a teaching, a parable. And this parable is about listening and responding. About responding to the Word of God. So look with me now at Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. 
And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes in and takes away the word sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Lord, break the hard and stony ground this morning. Lord, help us to see the soil of our hearts. Help us to see if we have let persecution or tribulation make us fall away from you. Help us to see if we have hard hearts that won't even listen to you. Help us to see if the cares of the world have choked the word within us. Help us to be encouraged, those who sow the seed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. How many of you have heard one of Jesus' parables before? Anybody? Yes? If you're not familiar with Jesus' parables, they're basically an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. One thing I want to make clear from the bat, off the bat, about parables is that they are not to be read and understood allegorically. That means that Jesus does not intend for there to be hidden meaning in each detail of the parable. That would be an incorrect way to study Jesus' parables. For example, in this parable, you may have noticed three out of the four different soils end up falling away from the Word of God. Now, that does not mean that Jesus is prescribing here that exactly 75% of the people who hear the Word will eventually fall away. Jesus does say later in His ministry that narrow is the gate and the path, and there are those few that find it. But 
that is not the purpose and overall meaning of this parable. The overall central meaning of this parable is beware how you listen and respond to the Word of God. Let me say it again. The overall central meaning of this parable is beware how you listen and respond to the Word of God. Y'all got it? Now let's dive in to the truths that we glean from this parable. Truth number one, if you're a note taker this morning, truth number one, beware of a hard heart. Beware of a hard heart. Look at verses three and four again of Mark chapter four. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then Jesus explains to his disciples what he means by this in verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So Jesus is describing a farmer using a sowing method called broadcasting. This is where a farmer would simply walk through the field with a bag of seed and throw the seed around the field. And later he would return with a plowing tool and come and break up the ground to allow the seed to sow. Here we have seed that has fallen on the path. This is ground that was hard. This ground had been packed down by people traversing over it time and time again, and it was in no way soft enough to even allow the seed to penetrate the surface. Birds would quickly swoop in and have the seed for lunch. Jesus says that this represents a person who hears the word of God, but their heart is so hard that Satan immediately swoops in and takes away the words sown in them. Now, there are many reasons that a person's heart may be hardened toward God's word like this. They may have convinced themselves of another truth, another ideology, another priority, another worldview, another lifestyle, another God, another religion, that they just reject God's truth, God's word. They may be a person who is vehemently against God and even his very existence and all that his people stand for. A person like this may also just be completely indifferent toward God, totally disregarding his word because they are comfortable in their worldly situation. They may be even person who sits in church services on Sundays. One pastor that I listened to in preparing this sermon uh, talked about a man that this kind of soil reminded him of. This man would show up every Sunday in his church, walk into the sanctuary, go quickly to his seat in the back of the room. He would sit right in front of one of the pillars where he could rest his head back on the pillar. And as soon as the preaching of the word would begin, his head would hit the pillar and he would be knocked out. Only to be awoken by the closing music of the service. And then he would quickly slip out the door 
and disappear. I think many people are like that, where they think that God will be impressed by their clocking in and clocking out of a building on Sundays. Many people have a heart like this toward God's Word, and they don't even realize it. And that is because Satan loves to blind the minds and deafen the ears of people with hard-packed hearts like this. Paul warns of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And he uses all of these things that we've already listed to blind people. He disguises himself as an angel of light. He uses wealth. He uses security. He uses intellect. He uses pride, power, false religion, false gospel, false God, false ideology, false science, and more to blind and deafen those with hard hearts. I think Jesus experienced many people like this. One of the primary groups of people that we see who were like this were one of the groups that we saw in chapter 3, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the, the scribes. Do you remember what they accused Jesus of? They were so hard-hearted toward Jesus that they accused him of being possessed by the devil himself. Isn't it ironic that when Jesus describes this type of hard heart, he says the devil is the one who comes and snatches the word away. The very people who were accusing Jesus of being influenced by Satan were themselves being influenced by Satan. And Jesus told them that they were of the devil. In John chapter 8, he told the Pharisees and the scribes, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Beware of a hard heart. Truth number two, beware of a shallow heart. Beware of a shallow heart. Let's look at the shallow heart in verses five and six of Mark chapter four. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And Jesus gives the meaning in 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This type of ground is ground that has a shallow layer of soil good enough to receive the seed, but underneath this shallow layer is rock or stone, incapable of allowing roots to grow deep. Seed that falls on this type of ground typically springs up quickly, just like Jesus says, showing a lot of promise, but eventually it withers and dies. 
because it has no roots to receive the nourishment of water that it needs to endure the heat of the sun. Notice how Jesus describes this type of person in verse 16. Look at it with me. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. Notice the emotion. Joy. There is an emotional response to the word of God. I think oftentimes people mistake an emotional response to the word of God for a genuine response to the Word of God. Just because a person has delight and excitement in their actions and their attitude when they hear the truth about Jesus Christ does not mean they have genuinely accepted the truth about Him. Just because a person has tears in their eyes or sorrow when they hear the truth about Jesus Christ, it does not mean that they are ready to accept Him as Lord over their life. Emotion does not reveal the authenticity of the response. What does Jesus say will reveal the authenticity of the response to the Word of God? Look at it in verse 17. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. Tribulation and persecution reveal the authenticity of the response to the Word of God. The type of people that Jesus is talking about here will not remain true to the Word of God when things get difficult. As G- and Jesus promised that anybody who truly follows His Word will experience difficulties. Jesus told His disciples in John 16, In the world, you will have tribulation. In the book of Acts, we see the tribulation and persecution faced by those who remain true to Jesus all throughout the book. Paul writes in his letters all about persecution and tribulation that the church faced in James and Hebrews and John and his letters. And all throughout the New Testament, we see those who hold true to the word of God are called to endure through persecution and suffering. And the persecution and suffering and tribulation did not stop when the New Testament time was over. Christian history tells us of countless martyrs who would lose their lives over the past 2,000 years because of their faithfulness to the Word of God. And today, the persecution of those who hold true to Jesus Christ continues. According to an organization called Open Doors USA, this is an organization that supports persecuted Christians all around the world. According to to them, more than 340 million of our Christian brothers and sisters live in places where they will experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. That is one in eight Christians worldwide. The country ranked number one on the persecution watch list for the highest levels of persecution is North Korea, where being discovered as a Christian is a death sentence. If you aren't killed instantly, you will be taken to a labor camp as a political criminal. These inhumane prisons have horrific conditions, and few believers make it out alive. 
Everyone in your family will share the same punishment. Kim Jong-un is reported to have expanded the system of prison camps in which an estimated 50,000 to 70,000 Christians are currently imprisoned. We could go on and on and talk about the persecution of Christians around the world today. Tribulation and persecution reveal the authenticity of the response. Now, in the USA, we live in what is likely the most religiously free country in history, for now, which protects us from violent persecution. However, tribulation and persecution may come in different forms here in America. It may come in the form of relational rejection. It may come in the form of societal rejection, verbal attack. It may be a classmate making fun of you at school for your stance on issues and being faithful to the Word of God. It may be co-workers who exclude you and avoid you because they know you will not take part in their revelry. revelry. It may be a family member who criticizes you, saying that you are wasting your time instead of trying to focus on things like making more money. It may not even be persecution from another person that causes a person to fall away from the Word of God. It may just be tribulation, a hard time in life, a bad doctor's report, cancer, disease, death of a loved one, loss of a job, failure on a test, the end of a relationship. Jesus said, those who have a response like this shallow, rocky ground will turn away from trusting the Word of God when these tribulations arise. Tribulation and persecution reveal the authenticity of the response. Beware of a shallow heart. Next truth, truth number three. Beware of a divided heart. Beware of a divided heart. Look at verse 7 of Mark chapter 4. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And he gives the meaning in verses 18 and 19. The ones sown among the thorns, they are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Here again is a situation where the seed began to sprout and grow and show promise, but here comes the weeds and the thorns. Here we see why in gardening it is so crucial to pull those weeds because they are going to grow around your seed sprouts and start competing with the seed for nourishment. If they are not kept under control, they will eventually overtake the seed and leave no room for nourishment such that it dies. Either the weeds will die or the seed will die. Jesus says that this represents the type of hearer whose response to the word of God may appear genuine at first. There may be some growth, some promise, but eventually... What does Jesus say kills the word in them? The cares of the world 
the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. So what are some examples of the cares of the world or worldly desires that choke the word within? Jesus talked about a bunch of them during his ministry. Your possessions, your house, it may be your car, your wealth, your career, success, reputation, your security, physically, financially, your relationships, friends, and even family. Let's talk about family for a minute. In our American society today, family is commonly upheld as the most important thing in life. You see it on commercials, you hear it in songs, you hear it from big companies like Disney and many other places. But listen to what Jesus said about family. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus says that loving him is the most important thing in life. If you are keeping your kids away from the word of God and from church because they don't like it, and they would rather play ball, work on their academics, go fishing, play video games, on and on and on. This is an indicator that your desire to have your family feel happy and like you is greater than your desire to have them know the truth of the Word of God and love Him. Let's talk about money for a minute. Did you notice what Jesus said about riches? In verse 17 or verse 19, he said, The deceitfulness of riches is what chokes out the word of God. What does that mean? How are riches and money deceitful? Pastor John Piper says, In order to answer this, we need to think about what money is. He says this. Money is simply a symbol that stands for human resources. Money stands for what you can get from man, other human beings, instead of God. Money is the currency of human resources. So the heart that loves money is a heart that pins its hopes and pursues its pleasures and puts its trust in what human resources can offer. Money deceives you by making you think that it can give you only what God can give you. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Anything that is put above faithfulness to the Word of God is called sin. And do you remember what Romans chapter 8 said when Brandon preached through Romans couple years ago. Do you remember what Romans 8 said we're supposed to do with sin? Paul said, put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. He says that we should kill those sinful desires in our heart. The deeds of the body and the flesh are sin. So here's the warning to us this morning. Put to death the sin in your life 
or it will put to death the seed of the word in you by a gradual choking. Beware of a divided heart. Now, the final soil, truth number four. Be soft-hearted. Be soft-hearted. Look at Mark 4, verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he gives the meaning in verse 20. Those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Soil that is good for sowing seed and bearing fruit is soft. And it's able to grow deep, lasting roots. This kind of soil is safe from hungry birds, and it allows the seed to settle in. It withstands the heat of the sun because of the deep roots providing access to water and nourishment. It's free of thorns and weeds trying to steal its nourishment. It goes on to produce fruit, which itself will have new seed in it to be cast out and grow more plants. This is the person who hears the word of God and humbly accepts it. They remain in the word, and the word remains in them. They allow the word to change their mind about how they see themselves. They now view the world through the lens of God's word. They experience growth and life that comes from God alone. This person goes on to become a sower of the seed themselves, a proclaimer of the word of God to others, and the process goes on and on and on. Before we close this message by talking about takeaways, did you notice the startling words that Jesus told his disciples about why he was speaking in parables? Look again at verses 10 through 12 with me. And when he was alone... Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Wow! Jesus is saying that he is using parables to hide the truth. To hide the secret of the kingdom of God from these crowds. Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah here. If you look in your Bibles around verses 10 through 12, you should see a little footnote call out. If your Bible is one that has footnotes. And you should see at the bottom of the page, it tells you that Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. Many of you may be familiar with this uh, chapter in Isaiah. This is the chapter when Isaiah the prophet saw the Lord God in his throne room in all of his splendor. And God anoints Isaiah to be his messenger, his prophet, to declare a particular message to the people of his day. And this was the message that God gave to Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus. 
He told Isaiah to tell the people this, Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now, we must ask ourselves, why would the Lord do that? To both these people in Isaiah's day, and to these crowds that Jesus is speaking to. I believe we gain more insight into the answer in Matthew's gospel. Matthew's account of Jesus' reasoning for speaking in parables contains a little more detail than Mark. Look in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. This is how Matthew describes Jesus' reasoning for speaking in parables. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. The answer for why Jesus hides the truth from these crowds is judgment. And that's our final truth this morning. Truth number five, beware of God's judgment. Beware of God's judgment. Jesus is declaring judgment on these people because of their refusal to truly accept the word of God. Their hearts had grown so dull, their eyes so deaf, their ears so deaf, their eyes so blind because of their rejection of the message of Christ. It is as though Jesus is not wanting to cast his pearls before swine. At just a quick quick reading of this text, we might look at this and think these crowds don't deserve such a judgment. We might think of them as just innocent, hurting people coming to Jesus for healing. However, Jesus knew their guilty hearts He knew their rejection of him and his word. The question is this. What exactly is this word of God that they rejected? What exactly is this seed that Jesus has been talking about in this parable? What is the message of Christ? Here it is. Are you ready? I'm about to sow the seed in this room of the gospel of Jesus. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The message of the word of God is this. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the King who will reign on the throne forever. His kingdom is at hand. He was crucified in the place of sinners as a sacrificial lamb. He was buried and he rose again as a roaring lion with victory over sin and death. All sinners must place their faith and trust in him alone 
to be saved from the judgment of God forever. So the question is this, how will you respond? Takeaways. Let's talk about some takeaways from the word this morning. If your, if your heart has been like the path that Jesus described, like that hard-packed ground, and you realize this morning that Satan has been blinding your mind and deafening your ears, the takeaway for you this morning is repent and believe. Repent and believe. Turn from your sin of hard-hearted indifference toward God and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Second, if you're heart has been like that shallow, rocky soil, sprouting up quickly, but now falling away because of tribulation and persecution, the takeaway for you this morning is repent and trust. Repent and trust. Turn from your sin of the fear of man the fear of tribulation, the fear of persecution, and ask God to give you such a trust in His Word that the sufferings of this life and the hardships in this life do not compare to the glory to be revealed in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, if the soil of your heart has been like the thorn-infested soil, being choked and divided, by the desires in this world, the takeaway for you this morning is repent and love. Repent and love. Turn from your sin of loving the world more than loving Him and loving the things that man can offer you more than loving the Lord. Ask God to give you a greater love for Him and His Word than the temporary trappings of this world. Fourthly, those who are like the good soil, accepting the word of God and abiding in faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the takeaway for you this morning is keep repenting to bear fruit. Keep repenting to bear fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 3, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not become prideful, thinking that Satan does not still seek to devour you. He wants to use persecution, tribulation, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches to keep you from bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. This is a lifelong battle, brothers and sisters, to put sin to death. Let me also share one last takeaway for those of you who are like the good soil and you are now sowers of the seed yourself. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Don't be discouraged when hard-hearted people reject the message of the word of God that you share with them. Look at Jesus. People were hard-hearted and wouldn't even listen to him. God in the flesh. 
Do not be discouraged when shallow-hearted people who you thought were genuinely accepting the Word of God fall away. Look again at Jesus, God in the flesh. He had people watching and listening to His amazing ministry right before their eyes, but yet many of them still fell away when tribulation and persecution came. You may ask yourself, how do I make that seed grow in my friend who is outside the kingdom? Or how do I make that seed grow in my family member or my coworker? You cannot. Only God gives the growth. You sow the seed of the word of God by sharing it. You water the seed of the word of God by prayer and by living by the word. And you let God give the growth. Paul said this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Let's pray. Oh God, we are desperate for you to grow the seed of the word in our hearts. We are desperate for you to break the hard and stony ground that is in the hearts of our loved ones, the hearts of those that we want to see grow to be lovers of God and his kingdom and bear fruit. I pray, God, that this morning each of us would examine ourselves and what our heart is like. We would repent. I pray, God, for those that we love that they would hear and see the word of God. They would repent. They would trust in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen.